always draw for the critics, the marks, the casual, and the hardcore. I think they said yeah. Yeah. Introducing your hosts, let's give it up for the prescription fill-in, smart slaying, cowboy boot-wearing, son of a gun, make some noise for Doc Haas. Because the great don't need to be goaded into greatness. They seek it out, they crave it. They dare the entire locker room to come after them, just like I'm going to seek you out. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. Nope, it's just our third man. Johnny Smarks, Smarks. Who said you idiots can speak while there's a microphone in my head? And here is your host with the most, the baby face of podcasting, J.C. Bones. Let's make one thing clear. I don't watch this business. This business watches me. Sit back and enjoy your dose of kayfabe consumption as you listen to the fourth wall Wrestlecast. Oops, I'm breaking the fourth breaking wall. The fourth wall. And what up, fam, and welcome to your one-stop shop for all things music, TV, pro wrestling, film, sports, and so much more. Welcome to the fourth wall cast. Be sure to check us out right here every Sunday on the Fourth Wall Pop Network. I am your host with the most, the baby face of podcasting, JC Bones. And as always, I'm accompanied by this bright eye and bushy tail, tall glass of water. Ladies and gentlemen, giving up for handsome Doc Haas. I feel like a tall glass of tequila right now is what I feel like. <laughs> well, it is Super Bowl Sunday, so you probably should start drinking early. Oh, uh, that's actually, I probably should have. I won't make it to the end of the game. <laughs> Well, before we talk about the Super Bowl, Doc, I do want to start off the show with some sad news that we've learned over this past week. Um, As everyone knows, we did have the passing of Kobe Bryant, Kobe's daughter, Gigi, and seven others in a very tragic, horrific helicopter crash. Doc, I know you have uh, some past with Kobe Bryant in ways that he has affected your life, so please share with the fam how Kobe Bryant and his legacy has affected your life. Kobe Bryant is probably responsible for one of the most random and drunkest nights of partying in my life. Hmm. Um, It took place, uh, I guess we're going back to 2006, 2007. I'm uh, I'm actually... I'm going to quick even look up the date for you. I can find an exact date this happened, okay? Mm-hmm. So I was in college, and I needed to uh, – it was January 22nd, 2006. Okay. okay. So I was, I was a junior at Berkeley, and I was heading back home from winter break, and I had a bus to catch from New York City. And – Thanks to the the loveliness that is New Jersey Transit, I missed my bus from the city, and there were no other buses or trains till like three in the morning because right. apparently that's a thing on Sundays where they don't go north after a certain amount of hours. Fine, whatever. I'm in Midtown Manhattan. I'm just like, all right, I got a couple hours to kill. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get on. I just turned 21. It was was 26. I was 22 years old. No, I just turned 21 years old. I'm gonna go down to the. Uh, I'm going to go down to the ESPN zone. I'm just going to watch a few games. I'm just going to have some beers. 
So I go down there, and, and the Lakers happen to be playing the Raptors. And I'm sitting at the bar. And I don't know if you remember. Have you ever been to the old ESPN zone in, in Times Square? It was uh, actually yeah, a long time I ago. Believe, yeah. I believe it was actually what the WWE restaurant in Times Square was. Used to be, yes. Used to be. I think that became the ESPN zone. Don't hold me to that, though, because I'd never been to the WWE restaurant. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we're sitting there. We're watching this Lakers-Raptors game. You know, Kobe's balling, and he's shooting. And all of a sudden, he's making more points. He has 50 points. He has 60 points. And, and then... Then all of a sudden, he, the game's going in overtime, and Kobe's got seventy points. We keep, at this point, a huge crowd has gathered around the ESPN zone, and we're all just going nuts. We're turning, we've turned into a drinking game at this point. Every time Kobe scored, you had to take a sip of your drink. Right. So, eighty-one points later, oh man, <laughs> there's about six or seven straight complete strangers at ESPN zone. None of us are Lakers fans. Mm-hmm. All of us are ever drunk. All of us are yelling, Kobe, Kobe. Like, I don't know if you ever done the thing where you take, like, a crumpled piece of garbage and you you throw it into a shot. You go, Kobe. Well, we must have did that about 47 times in the span of of an hour and a half. (laughs) So this game ends. And and I'm pretty sure the only reason the ESPN zone was still open at this point was because Kobe was just going off on Toronto. Mm -hmm. So being all these strange, I could if I would have seen if I were to see these people on the street today, I'd have no clue who they were. But for that hour and a half, we were like the best friends that friends could right. be in, in Times Square. So I get done, and at this point, I'm stumbling out of the ESPN zone. I'm ever drunk. I'm, I can't find the Port Authority because I'm sorry, it was a Port Authority. No, I'm sorry, I can't find Penn Station. Penn Station, right? Trying to find, as you know, anybody who's from New York, Penn Station is pretty fucking easy to find. Yeah. And I'm stumbling all around. I'm behind the post office. I'm taking pisses behind the post office because I can't fucking hold it anymore. <laughs> I had eaten a bunch of – I had eaten maybe like a quarter pounder with cheese and like a giant thing of fries just to try to like, you know, not be as wasted as I was. And I'm just stumbling. I finally get down to Penn Station. Stumbling into Penn Station. Cops are coming up to me and asking me if I was gay. I think they all thought I was fucking stoned and strung out on heroin or something. I was so stumbling all over the place, man. <laughs> I finally just, I was like, I have a ticket for the three o'clock train. Look, and I'm like, I got my ticket. And it was like, you should probably just go sit down. I'm like, I'm going to go sit down now. And I stumble over to some seat Penn Station, crash on, crash in, in one of the waiting areas. And then I, I set, and then luckily I was smart enough to set my alarm for like, I think the train left at like five in the morning or something. Mm-hmm. It left really early and I was able to set my alarm and wake up and I got on the train. I got on that train, dude, and I slept for four hours from New York City to Boston straight. <laughs> straight, dude. I called my, I emailed my professors in the morning. I was like, hey, uh, my train got delayed last night. I got into Boston really late, and I can't come to class today. Meanwhile, my head is pounding, dude. <laughs> I think I slept until like 4 o'clock in the afternoon <laughs> that next Monday, and it was all because of Kobe. Right. All because of Kobe. See, and that, that's um, the good thing. That was the night Kobe made history, and it brought all these random strangers together. You all had one yeah. common thing. You have one thing in common. You all wanted to root for the guy who was going to make history that night. Yeah. So that's awesome that it's you a, have that memory. Greatest scoring performance in NBA history by a person not named Wilt Chamberlain. Chamberlain. Right. Chamberlain, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, hey man, Kobe, Kobe was a boss man. I mean, he was, he's, a, he's a dude that kids I, I went to high school with looked up to. 
mm-hmm. high schoolers today look up to. He's transcendent. He is a, uh, you know, outside of his issues in Colorado with when when he had the issue with that woman in Colorado, he was a great. You know, never had any sort of. You never heard anything bad about him. Right. You know, you never, and then even even that thing with the Colorado thing, he grew from that and and seemingly became a better person. You know, mm-hmm. he made a mistake that any that a lot of people in their early twenties make, and he took it in. You know, it was a learning experience, and like always, he became a better man for any experience he ever had. And it's a shame he had to lose him. He seemed like he was doing so much for the game outside of the Lakers organization, doing a lot for the women's game. Right. Apparently, his daughter was a real was a real talent too. Yeah. And it's a, you know, it's a shame about her too. It's a shame for the other seven people who, who lost their lives. And it was just, it, it was stunning. And we were at the Rutgers, me and my dad were at the Rutgers match last Sunday. And, uh, my buddy, Matt, who I went to college with, he sent me, Matt Sal, what up? He sent me a message and, uh, just goes, uh, dude, Kobe died. I was like, like, like Kobe, Kobe. And he's yeah. like, yeah, Kobe, Kobe. I was just like, but it sounds like this this helicopter had a malfunction problem too. Mm-hmm. You know, people are saying, was it the weather? Was it? I think, regardless of the weather, it sounds like this helicopter had an issue. Right. Because you don't crash four thousand feet, you know, per minute, wherever, wherever ridiculous, you know, amount of speed they were doing without some sort of malfunctional issue. Right. Real shame. Never flying in a helicopter. Nope. I don't understand why people do. It seems like the most risky thing in the world. So Steve Ray Vaughan died. Mm-hmm. And now Kobe, you can answer that list. It's just. Right. Rest well, Kobe. Yeah, it's very, very tragic. It's really unfortunate. You know, you, you said all these all these great things about Kobe, but Kobe was also a great father. Also, he w- he had his daughter Gigi on uh, th- th- this five year plan to make her this great superstar on the basketball court. You know, they were about two years in teaching her all the right way to go about things, all the things that he's learned over the years. Okay, this is what I did that didn't work. This is what you're going to do that is going to work for you. And it's just a real shame that everything had to come to an end so soon. You know, one quote that Kobe had said, if you want to make history, you got to do historic things. Well, Kobe, that, sir, you did. So thank you for leaving such a legacy, such a mark on all of our lives. And for anyone that's out there that's listening, if you're going to grab a crumbled piece of paper and throw it out and yell Kobe, keep doing so to keep Kobe's legacy alive. Because someone like him... He deserves it. Okay. So funny story. I'm teaching my Wednesday class. My Wednesday class is mostly high school age kids, couple middle schoolers. And my one student, she told me that uh, in their school the day after eight twenty four, every kid in the school crumbled up a piece of paper mm-hmm. and did a Kobe into the basket. I was like, that is the coolest That's Kobe awesome. tribute I think Good. in my life. Yeah. That's really cool. I uh, kept missing all my Kobe tributes this week because – this is how I roll. I'd be like, Kobe. Yep. <laughs> Kobe. That's usually what happens to me too. I'll, I'll Kobe it, and it won't go in the pail. So, <laughs> so. All right. Well, anyway, I'm like, if, I'm like if Kobe played for the Knicks, because you know he wouldn't have been as good as he played for the Knicks. <laughs> right. He would average like 14 points a game. Probably mm-hmm. broken both of his ankles his second season. Yep. Never played it. Because <laughs> the Knicks are cursed. All right. Well, you anyway. know, Kobe was a big Kobe was a big Mets fan, actually. I'm sorry. Kobe was a huge <laughs> Mets fan. I learned that after he died. He grew up. He was yeah. a huge Dallas Strawberry fan. He became a Met, he was a Mets fan growing up. Like that's nice. pretty awesome. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. I guess the, in a way that 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 gives Mets some hope. 
Yeah, it gives us some hope, Kobe, yeah. like this. You know, you know who else is a Mets fan? <laughs> Donald Trump. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, yeah. so um, aside from the unfortunate, tragic passing of Kobe Bryant, his daughter, and the seven others that lost their lives, last weekend was a very big weekend in the world of wrestling. Um, NWA held their second pay-per-view, Hard Times, which was a phenomenal pay-per-view. Lots of title uh, title changes, lots of returns. We also had NXT Worlds Collide. But the weekend ended with an amazing Royal Rumble event on the WWE side. You Definitely one of the best Royal Rumbles we've had in a in quite a, quite a few years. Uh, I want to talk about two specific things that happened at Royal Rumble. First, Doc, let's talk about the return. The long-awaited return that we were told by the person was not going to happen. Because you were because you believe that. Because yeah, exactly. Because, <laughs> we think I Andrew's going to go. Oh yeah, guys, I'll be there. Don't tell anybody. Wink, yeah. wink. Because <laughs> as we, we all should know by now, wrestling is all a big work. But you also you never say never in wrestling. But Edge, the rated R superstar, returned at entrance 21 at the Royal Rumble, and he wasn't just there for a one-off. He wasn't just there for. A comeback for the Rumble to be eliminated really quick. He was there till the final four, till the final three, had an awesome showing, and then came back on Raw the next night to state that he is here to stay and he's going to end his career on his terms. Awesome. The future of Edge, there's so many possibilities, so many dream matches we all want to see that we're probably going to have the opportunity to see. Even on Raw, he mentioned old faces, new faces. He mentioned guys like Alistair Black, Roman Reigns, Randy Orton, Matt Riddle. He gave all these guys a shout-out in his promo. And then who walks out? His old friend, Randy Orton. Randy Orton gets the crowd popping. The crowd is up. They're, they're all high on life right now. Let's bring rated, rated RKO back together one last time. The crowd is going nuts. The crowd pops. And what does Orton do? Out of nowhere, RKO. Silence falls nowhere. over the audience. Now, love him or hate him, Randy Orton's one of the best fucking superstars out there because he knows how to tell a story. He knows how to work in the ring. And that right there... That is how you get heat. Randy yeah. Orton got everyone up high for the big pop, the, for, for the shine, which is what they call it, just to go ahead and get the heat right after that. People complain about how, oh, here we go now, Randy Orton, big title edge, edge should be working with younger people. This, that, you know, they, once again, Randy Orton just proves he does a lot of things better than most in wrestling. And when it comes to his his heel turns, I mean, he's what's he, remember we talked about impact finishers a few months ago, yep. and impact moves like the RKO. Once again, proves that it is one of the most effective moves in pro wrestling because it can change the vibe in an arena like that. Like that. Exactly, and he does it every time for twenty plus years. He's done it every time. Yep, that's what blows my mind about like you know just him in general and how how impactful his moveset is his promos are his interaction with with the audience and and, and his opponent at this point edge being i mean and then with edge being back one it's awesome he's here to wrestle right he's not here just to make money. he's here to wrestle we've talked about this before how part of 
what I feel has hurt like the Seth Rollins generation is a lot of the guys who should have been putting them over kind of retired a little younger in terms of wrestling. You know, in, if you look at wrestling history, Edge retiring in his 40s, Shawn Michael retiring in his 40s, that's not the norm. Most, you know, long-time great wrestlers usually go part-time into their 50s. Look at Triple H. He's in his early 50s now. Taker's in his mid-50s. Kane's in his mid-50s. Flair wrestled closer to part-time, closer to his 60s even. Same with Hogan. So now that Edge is back, we have the opportunity for guys like Seth Rollins, guys like Roman Reigns, and guys like Andrade, and guys like Finn Balor, and we can go. We can go down the line and list every great, you know, worker in their twenties and thirties in WWE. They now have a chance to get that rub from Edge, and they're going to have that chance to get that rub from John Cena once he starts making more part-time appearances again. Right. And Randy Orton's already giving the rub to a lot of these people, which is great to see. So Edge is just Edge is going to be great for business. Is going to give the newer generation of veterans, which I'm quoting like Seth Rollins type an opportunity to prove themselves against a Hall of Famer, a, an all-time great. Right. And that's what this generate, and that's what WWE has lacked. They kind of got a little bit of a back with Kurt Angle, but Kurt, you know, was obviously wasn't at his best in his last run in WWE. You know, what remains to be seen how Edge will be in a one-on-one singles match, but if the Royal Rumble was any sort of indication indicator, Edge is back and he's just as good as he ever was, mm-hmm. and he looks great. And he moved great. Um, and I'm just, I'm looking forward to this run and seeing what it brings for him. Definitely. Now, uh, j- just to correct you, when Edge retired, he was actually in his late 30s because that was about nine years ago and he's 46 okay. now. So he was, he okay. was still young. He was still in the prime, in his prime when he had to retire. But now he came back right. at 46. He's in the shape of his life. And, uh, According to the dirt sheets and reports that we, that I've read, he has signed a three-year contract, so he's going to be here for the next couple of years. Uh, yeah, and 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 you would, when Edge retired, it was funny. I mean, he was, I think, starting to transition into that phase where he is going to start putting younger talents over. I'll never forget Drew McIntyre was the person that was most affected by Edge's abrupt retirement because he was about to enter into a feud which looked like was going to lead to a WrestleMania match, right? You know, or it's. Or some sort of big pay-per-view match coming up. I forget if it was right. It might have been after. It was after WrestleMania. Edge retired after WrestleMania. It probably would have been like a Money in the Bank, SummerSlam type summer spring feud. Would have been great for Drew's career. Once that once that whole that whole uh, Edge retirement went went down, they didn't know what to do with Drew. And Drew kind of tailspinned out of WWE after that. Right. And his first his first run kind of tailspinned into 3MB and all that garbage and. Now he's back, and we'll talk about Drew in a few minutes since we're talking about the Rumble, obviously. Right. You know, and that's funny how things all come full circle. Right. You know, here we are nine years later. When did Edge retire? 2011? I believe right? it's it was, been nine yeah, years. 2011, yeah, nine years ago. 2011, 2012, something like Somewhere that. around there. 2012. Yeah. So it's funny how a lot of that's come full circle. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And yeah, you know, you're talking about Drew. Drew is the one who. Who won the men's Royal Rumble? A, a as lot we of reports. Predicted. As yes, you said it for a while. He was definitely one of my picks as well. Uh, a lot of reports are saying that Drew wasn't the first choice; that it was supposed to be Roman, but it was changed last minute. Who knows the truth behind it? Regardless, Drew is the is the winner of the Royal Rumble, and he is now going to be facing Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. Who uh, we also eliminated at the Rumble too, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, right? he did with a Claymore. Okay. Awesome segment. Yes, with the Clay- 
Yep. It, it, that was a lot done of awesome so segments. well. Yeah. Really good rumble. The rumble was booked really well. Yes. You know, like they took what they had and really made the most out of their out of the talent. Really made the most of, of really did what they had to do to make Drew look like a future star. Very smart move. Roman was supposed to win. Smart move to give it to Drew. That that Roman uh, Roman Reigns of Royal Rumble Roman would have done nothing for him, but it does so much for Drew McIntyre and WWE needs to create more stars right now. Right. And, and you have to listen to the crowd, too. I mean, even when it was down to Roman and Drew and everyone thought Roman was going to win, Roman was getting booed. Ro- listen, right. Roman is over. Roman is a huge baby face. The crowd loves him. They don't want to see him win the Royal Rumble, though. They don't want to yeah, see him it, in the title picture. Yeah, him winning the Rumble probably would have crushed a lot of the momentum that Roman's built since his return exactly. from Canada. Now, so. rumor has it, though, he will be back in the title picture, probably facing The Fiend at WrestleMania. Okay. Which again, I don't okay mind with seeing that. a feud as long as he doesn't beat the Fiend at WrestleMania. You now here's the thing: though. if he beats the Fiend at WrestleMania, that that's a nice that 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 would cap his comeback nice at that point. Like here is guys come back from cancer. Mm-hmm. Now he's going up up against this this world eater type character and Bray Wyatt who is sick and twisted and and. Beating a, beating a guy like Bray, I think, looks good for the cancer survivor end of Roman Reigns. Right. But I also get where you're at. Like, I could totally see a world where we go into Mania and Bray still beats Roman, and Roman has to work even harder for the payoff. Yeah. So I could see that happening. I, I could see it happening both ways. You know, it's kind of, you know, we'll see how they book it over the weeks. But if I'm thinking about WrestleMania right now, I, I tend to agree agree with you a little more and i really think about it that bryce should win i think that the better long-term payoff and that's i feel what like i'm some, looking at that's what i'm looking yeah, but at sometimes I long-term feel, storytelling that there's supposedly some, he has a weakness there's a way to to take down bray wyatt but let that shit marinate for a while let's not find out till next year's wrestlemania in 2021 i'm cool with that you need to give Bray Wyatt, who deserves to be on the top, the run of his life. We've said it. He could be the modern-day Undertaker, the guy who's just unstoppable. Give him the run. Right. Let, let, let him break Brock Lesnar's record of holding the title the longest. So what? He deserves it. He's done so much with this character, and his character is so over and so on top. And with his match against Daniel Bryan, I want to see him in the ring more because that was the match of his career. It was awesome. It was a great match. And I also want to see... Um you know, I want to see him break the whole roster down. I want to, I'm sorry, beat the whole roster down. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, let's see, let's, we'll determine then is Roman Reigns the guy that steps up and leads the roster back to take down Bray Wyatt, which he very well could be. And that would make sense to me. Right. And, you know, so the more we talk about, the more I'm inclined to think that if we do it at WrestleMania 36, we're doing it too soon. Right. Agreed. And and it's still interesting how we're already in February and we don't really know um, even half or even a quarter of the matches that are going to happen at WrestleMania. We already know it's going to be Drew versus Brock, but that's All the right, only that's set one. scheduled match that we know. Everything else is still I, up I, in the air. I think we could. I think it seems like you can all but confirm Roman and Bray at this point. Mm-hmm. But they like ha- that. Yes, but they haven't. They haven't interacted with each other yet, even on SmackDown. I mean, you could you could start that at elimination chamber and it'll be right. fine. Looks like we're going to get Edge and Orton. Yes, that looks like that's what's going to be, and also Miz and Morrison just won a number one contenders match. 
to face New Day for the tag titles coming up pretty soon. So I don't know if that means we're going to see uh, potentially uh, a, a big tag team match for WrestleMania, maybe with Miz and Morrison, maybe with New Day. I saw some rumors uh, from Dave Meltzer about a big fatal four-way TLC match, which would be awesome. Sign me up. We haven't seen a big TLC match at WrestleMania in a while, and you That'd have the fantastic. talent to do that with now. Yeah. I also saw an interesting rumor from Meltzer that you had shared to me this week that Charlotte is going to challenge for the NXT title with yes. her Royal Rumble win. NXT Women's title against Rhea Ripley, which is very, very interesting to me. Right. Very interesting to me. That's a match I would love to see. Rhea Ripley has already made a name for herself over the past few months. Uh, And if they're trying to, again, push NXT as that third brand, why not make that a match where, hey, I won the Royal Rumble, but I'm going to go for the NXT championship and not the Raw or SmackDown. Go back to where it all started. That's great. It's great. It's something different. It'll get... Charlotte on NXT again for a bit. It'll help NXT's ratings. It'll get um, NXT you, on WrestleMania. Right. And I think you're going to get, I think back in Shayna, I think we're going to get. Mm-hmm. And then um, outside of that. It's hard to say. Uh, yeah, it's hard to say right now outside yeah. of that. So, I mean, you're talking about five. I think we just spoke of, what, five big matches. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we and that's a, that's a nice card. I like where it's starting. Right. I'm sure there's go. Do you think there'll be a Shane McMahon fighting this year? I don't know. He's been off TV for so long now because he has been fired. So it's hard to say. I think maybe Shane signed back up for a, what? It was a three, four year run, and maybe that's it for him. That's it. Okay. I think so. Uh, what, what do you see Kevin Owens uh, at WrestleMania? It's hard to say, uh, especially now with uh, with him and Samoa Joe still feuding with Rollins and. Rollins' disciples, and now Samoa Joe is injured and might not even make it to WrestleMania again. This will be Samoa Joe's third mania he's been injured at if he misses this one, which fucking sucks. It's fucking terrible. Because Samoa Joe, he's he's still in his prime, but he's also not a young a young star anymore. Like he only has he doesn't have that much longer. And I want to see Samoa Joe really have some moments at WrestleMania and he has to stop fucking getting injured, man. It happens too often with him and it sucks. So it's hard yeah, I, to say where Kevin Owens goes, but I think I could see him and Seth Rollins probably going up to Mania, uh keeping this feud going. Maybe it'll just be a blood feud. I don't think there has to there really has to be no title involved. No, there hasn't. I don't think there's gonna be a title involved. Um, Triple H, does he get involved at Mania this year? I I don't think so. I, I think this might be a Mania where we don't see a lot of legends returning. We might not even see Undertaker this year. Well, now that, you know, unless he's facing Bray Wyatt, there's no reason for Undertaker to come right. back, I feel. You well, know, I feel like Bray Wyatt's the only wrestler out there that should be going over the Undertaker right now. So unless mm-hmm. he's coming back to put... Bray over and, and retire. Right. There's no reason for Taker to come back. Right. Well, unless uh, he faces Sting. Shut up, Bones. Okay, moving on. <laughs> one, one last thing I want to talk about from Rumble Weekend. Uh, you've heard about the altercation backstage between the original bro, Matt Riddle, and Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar approached Matt Riddle saying, Listen, listen, son. You better get my name out of your mouth because a match between us is never going to happen. So stop talking about it. It'll never happen. Well, the bro 
went on record on WWE.com saying that never say never. Brock doesn't make the rules. He doesn't make the matches. Matt Riddle will be the one to end Brock Lesnar's career and retire him. So Matt Riddle's got some big balls. He's a reader from the book of Jericho. Yeah. Yep, exactly. But <laughs> That's what I call this. <laughs> I mean, I have to agree with Matt Riddle, man. Never say never, right? Isn't that what Vince and Triple H and everyone says? Never say never in wrestling. I could see them f- fighting down the road. This Riddle, Riddle's approach to Lesnar is exactly what Jericho's approach to Goldberg was in WCW. Yep. Yep. Where he just kept calling his ass out and calling him out. And he never got what he wanted in, in WCW, Jericho, which is a shame. Right. Um, I think WWE is ridiculous if they don't do Riddle or Lesnar down the line. Um, right. It's an interesting, and it's an interesting, you know, in the shoot end of it, it's interesting because right now in a fight, you know, yeah, Lesnar obviously is huge, and if he catches you, you're done. But you know, I, I think Riddle at this point in Riddle's life is quicker and could probably out wrestle Lesnar a little bit. You know, he's old. He's definitely got that that the youth advantage to him, and right. he's tough. He's tough as nails, but I, I don't think he's scared of the Brock, Brock Lesnar at all. No. Like, and, I'm talking and, even in real life. Like, yeah. I'm not even just talking about the kayfabe. Like, I don't think he has any fear of Brock Lesnar. I think he thinks he can take Brock Lesnar in, in the octagon and in the ring. Yeah. So, I think Vince Man is crazy if he has a build off it. I think Triple H is crazy if he has a build off Vince might not like it because Brock's one of his big guys. I bet you Triple H loves it. Mm-hmm. Oh, of course. See, I don't know how, how Vince looks at Matt Riddle. I don't think... Matt Riddle does not fit the mold of a Vince McMahon superstar at all. But now, unfortunately, though, if we saw Matt Riddle showing in the Royal Rumble, he was eliminated pretty quickly. Yeah, I that think was Vince because sees, of the altercation. I think Vince sees RVD when he sees Matt Riddle, mm-hmm. and Triple H sees, like, a smaller Brock Lesnar. Right. But don't forget, yeah. RVD is... A former world champion, at least two-time world champion. Yes, but it's not like he has. I mean, it's not like he had memorable title runs or anything. Right. Yeah, he, he was a champion and he had the belt and it was fun and we liked it and then he lost the belt. Well, it wasn't that's, like that's when AJ got arrested for weed. Well, yeah, he's got to stay off the weed when he's champion and not get caught. Right. But you know, Matt Riddle is is apparently you know known to be a toker too, so. Mm-hmm. And Vince McMahon obviously has no problem smoking weed, as we learned from Chris Jericho's Vince McMahon Donald right. Trump story. So that's got to change the whole dynamic in the locker room about mm-hmm. the pot discussions. It's like, well, if your ass is going to smoke with the president, right. like, don't you dare fucking find me for smoking pot. Like, most of those dudes that smoke, Xbox said it best on his website. Wrestlers helped, you know, and, and dealing with injuries, it started getting worse when Vince outlawed weed, because then they all just turned to painkillers, which right. is. Which is like Sean Walton says it best. Way worse than smoking pot. So if that's an issue Vince has, I don't think I don't I don't think that's an issue Vince has. I don't think Vince can pull the weed card anymore. Right. He can pull the experience card. He can pull, hey, Brock Lesnar's been doing this since two thousand three and you've been doing this with me for what, two years Matt, Matt Riddle's been signed for at now? Least, yeah. So I can I can see the seniority call, but once again, wrestlers don't impress Vince McMahon by just saying yes sir. Right. You know, they, they, the wrestlers that have pressed Vince McMahon are the ones that challenge him. And I think Riddle's going to continue to challenge Brock Lesnar. Right. He's going to continue to challenge Vince McMahon's authority. I think Triple H is going to promote that. And I think it's going to create, at some point, some a nice some nice real-life friction a little bit that's going to translate well to the screen. Because right. those are the best feuds. Exactly. 
And Matt Riddle has been vocal about him versus Brock Lesnar since even before his days in NXT. Now that he's working for NXT, WWE has a bigger platform to make his concerns, to have his, have his voice heard, which is why now it's become, it, it's been been a headline since he's been now under the WWE umbrella. Yeah, and Matt Riddle, he's just like, you know, obviously most wrestlers are tough dudes and, and gals and, you know, I don't think I could kick the shit out of any wrestler. You know, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make the assumption they can all kick my ass in a fight. Mm-hmm. But I look at Matt Riddle and I just kind of see his vibe coming out with the barefoot and just his, just how he moves in the rain. And I think, man, he's got to be one of the toughest dudes in that locker room. And I think he's got to be one of the most legit badasses in that locker room. Yeah. From NXT to the main roster, to, to NXT to Raw, they're all the main roster now. So that's. That's where my head's at with the Riddle Lesnar thing. Mm-hmm. I just think this was a little something that was put in there. I think it's all kayfabe, as usual. Of course. I think all this is a script. I think this is just, you know, planting seeds for something that could possibly happen in three to six years. Yep. I could definitely see that. I don't think three to six. I think I could see maybe even two to three because I don't know how much longer Brock Lesnar is going to have or how much longer was- he's going to want to be. But I could definitely see this coming to a head at some point. As long as Brock gets to keep the schedule he has now, his his, his place part time schedule, and he's, I think he's done with the octagon. So yeah. as long as that's the case, like, I don't see any reason why Brock isn't going to be wrestling five years from now. Right. Yeah, he's not that old. Right. Right. Well, that a lot has happened. There's still even a lot more. We didn't even scratch the surface on the aftermath of what's happened on Rumble. But we have a few more topics to talk about. But I do want to say on the topic of wrestling real quick, uh, you and I both went to some other wrestling shows over this past weekend. <laughs> so first, I was at the BCW, the Brie Combination Wrestling Show, which was an all-women's event. It was the Queen of the North 2 held in Ridgefield Park at the Knights of Columbus building. A big shout-out and big thank you to our good brother Wade of the Big Heckin' Wade Adventures, also found exclusively right here on the Fourth Wall Pop Network. Thank you so much for showing me the Wade experience, getting front-row tickets to this show. First of all, the show start to finish was amazing. I got to meet some amazing new younger independent talent, I also got to see some big names. I got to see Holly Dead, Marty Bell, Kimberly. You may know her as Abby Lath from NXT and from the Mae Young Classic. And also Thick Mama Pump herself, Jordan Grace. Now, I went to the show saying I would not leave until Jordan Grace got me in a headlock. But unfortunately, that did not happen. Jordan Grace and Kimberly did have to leave shortly after their match. The the two of them put on a fucking clinic uh, in women's wrestling. What a showing they had. Kimberly did come out victorious. So, of course, according to Wade, it's my fault that Jordan Grace lost because it was my first time seeing her. I was there, so Jordan Grace lost. But anyway, aside from that, uh, having the, the front row seats, getting to witness all of this amazing talent up close was awesome. Uh, Marty Bell is probably one of my favorite women's wrestlers now from seeing her uh, up close and personal, seeing her live, and also getting to talk to her at the meet and greet afterwards and getting awesome pictures. I have her autograph now and everything. One of my favorite wrestlers, and I love being able to see her every Tuesday on NWA. I would love to see her come back for maybe this year's Mae Young Classic if they do that again as well. Uh, Keep your eyes out for Marty Bell. If anyone out there watches NWA Power, Marty Bell is going to be a future star in the women's division. 
Um, now, Doc, you also went to a wrestling show this past weekend as well. <laughs> My wrestling was a little different as uh, our Rutgers Scarlet Knights, New Jersey's team. Nice, Rutgers, uh, baby. Got to Rutgers baby. They actually got to travel to the Garden, and they um, yesterday at the Garden they did a doubleheader mm-hmm. of wrestling and men's ba- uh, men's basketball. It was Rutgers versus Michigan for both games. Um, unfortunately, Rutgers lost both the match and the game, but both were very, very close down to the wire events. Uh, the wrestling team, uh, they went down 15 to three at the halftime of wrestling. There's uh, just five matches, halftime, five matches. And then they came out roaring in the second half. They built themselves a 16, 15 advantage going into the last match. But unfortunately, um, Michigan's heavyweight is a hammer. Uh, Mason Paris, he's number two in the country. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, he pinned our, he pinned our dude, Alex Esposito, who's, who's uh, replacing Christian Colucci, whose career is over, unfortunately, uh, after a knee injury. And uh, he pinned, uh, Espo- Paris pinned Esposito to give Michigan a 21-16 to win. Uh, the match definitely, uh, the biggest uh, reason Rutgers lost, they lost the opener, um, Nico Aguilar, who's wrestled really well this year, but has had a rough go of it as of late. Uh, unfortunately, he lost in the opener, and that was the difference in the match of Rutgers. As for the basketball game, um, Great game. Michigan led for most of it. Rutgers was never out of it. The energy at the Garden was awesome. I don't know if you anybody's not watched any Rutgers basketball games yet this year. When they play at the Rack, it is, it's 8,000 people. It's loud. It's crazy. And even at the Garden the other day, it was probably about 14,000 people there for the basketball game. Loud, crazy. Fair amount of Michigan fans. It was technically a Michigan home game. You know, it was a neutral site game, though, obviously. Um, so much fun. I love when I go to sporting events and they're fun. I love when I can go to a fun sporting event when my team loses. That leaves like those are fun games and they were fun matches. The way Rutgers basketball plays their style, it's defense first, it's old school, like 80s, 90s team ball. You know, there's no stars on the team, it's just five that. Five guys on the court at any given time that love to play basketball. Right. And Rutgers has really turned it around this season. I mean, the Big Ten, they, it's the best basketball conference in the country. They beat the crap out of each other. Um, just because Rutgers lost this game to Michigan means nothing. I mean, it means something, but it doesn't mean they're not going to make the tournament. They're still going to make the tournament. They're still one of the top five teams in the conference. Um, and it's that all their losses are tough losses. This team never loses by more than, you know, Seems seems like they never lose by more than five points. So it was it was it. Unfortunately, our our teams didn't win, but a great experience at the Garden. Uh, I hope they do more of these neutral site venues, you know, to help you know the program grow and help put the program in a national spotlight. There's so much talent for both programs, Rutgers and wrestling and basketball. They already have a lot of talent, and there's so much talent in New Jersey and both of those sports. And having events like this where you can be showcased in the national stage in the world's most famous sports arena, it makes kids want to go to your school. And it makes kids want to play play at your school, and that's what Rutgers means right now. It was great to see them have that opportunity. Would have liked to have seen them win at least one game. They were more likely to win the basketball game, to be honest with you. Um they didn't shoot great at all. They shot well under 40% from the field. It really dug, uh, did them in. And uh, they'll learn from it. They grow. They get better with every game. Mm-hmm. Is the team a very young team, or are there a lot of veterans oh, still on the both team? Teams. Both. both teams. I mean, okay. Rutgers starts, I think, four sophomores. Okay. Four sophomores. And they, they, there, might be, there might be one or two seniors. Geo Baker, I think, is a junior. He's like their, their team captain. 
they have a graduate transfer senior. Um, and then it's a bunch of sophomores, a lot of sophomores, man. A lot of just the talented sophomores who are going to be really good juniors and seniors. So, yeah. And then same with the wrestling team. Lots of freshmen. Tons of freshmen, especially in the lower lineup. And both teams are doing extremely well for having these young lineups. They're competing in one of the best. I mean, the Big Ten is the best wrestling conference in the country. And it's probably the best basketball conference in the country, too. Right. And that that's good for the team, too, because then they can really build and grow these young athletes into – into superstars, you know, down the road over the next few years. And real quick, tell the fam, Doc, why you have such a love and passion for the Rutgers Scarlet Knights sports teams. Uh, because I'm from New Jersey. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> that was the uh, easiest you know, honestly, answer right there. No, honestly, the, the, you know, the idea of when they joined the Big Ten, the idea of a Big Ten sports program like 50 minutes from my house mm-hmm. you gotta think like let's go to ohio state they bring a hundred thousand plus people out to football games every weekend right. it's a huge big deal these sports programs and the idea of having one right up route 18 is just is just awesome and now the fact that Rutgers thinks it's an awesome idea to be a good sports program too and actually like you know care about building these programs the right way it's kind of exciting, man. It's created a buzz in the state. It's created a buzz among sports fans in the state. And I just I only see it going in a upward trending direction. I don't see it stopping. They're getting better facilities by the year. They're bringing in, you know, their coaches are, are raising their profile. I mean, Scott Goodale, the wrestling coach, has been there, I think, for 13 years now. Started as a high school wrestling coach down by me in the short conference down here. Uh, Steve Peichel's in his fourth season. Just he, he was at Stony Brook before year. He turned Stony Brook into a mid-major power. And now he's trying to turn Rutgers into a major power. Uh, this is a lot to be excited about. And it's right in the heart of New Jersey. You know, they identify as New Jersey's, you know, college team more so than like Seton Hall does or Princeton does. And you know, it was said Rutgers is our state college. Right. They have they have the biggest they have the most resources. And they have the best opportunity to give the Northeast a true major college sports program. Mm-hmm. The New York City metropolitan area, right. a true major sports program. Because we don't have one up here. College sports are not as popular up here. Right. Right. Well, You're competing on. with a lot. You're competing with a lot of professional sports in the New York area. Right. So you have to be good and you have to be good consistently. So it's definitely a lot of state pride, a lot of Jersey pride right there. Awesome. So, uh, fam, if you're looking to get your your college fix, your Rutgers fix, always tune into the Fourth Wall Cast every week. Listen to Doc's Sports Corner. I think we're going to start calling that uh, for all your college views. But now let's go on to the pro side. Today's a big day, Doc. It's a big day. It's a big day. Today's the day of some uh, new commercials. New uh, commercials. Great halftime performance by J Lo. By J Lo. Do you know one of the prop bets for the Super Bowl is whether they, whether A Rod will be shown during the halftime show? There's... You can bet you can bet money on whether A Rod will be shown during the halftime show. Oh my god, that that would be funny. And and you know why not? Why not? <laughs> show him on. There. I would take five. I I put five on no A Rod. There you go. Okay. <laughs> Today's also a day of betting. People are going to uh, be winning money, probably losing money. Now, let's talk about the betting odds. We have the San Francisco 49ers taking on the Kansas City Chiefs in 
the Super Bowl. What Super Bowl is this, Doc? This is 54 we're up to 54, now, I believe. 54, okay. Yes, 54. 54. 49ers versus the Chiefs. First of all, when was the last time either of these teams have been in a Super Bowl? Okay, so the Chiefs, it's been 50 years. The Chiefs won Super Bowl IV. Wow. And, and for the 1969 season, they were... After the Jets won the Super Bowl three, the second AFL team to win the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. the last AFL team to win the Super Bowl because the merger was the year after. So the Chiefs winning that Super Bowl was kind of the end of like OG like football. Like that was like the cha- that was like the end of an era almost. The Chiefs winning that Super Bowl because right. that's when the NFL merged with the AFL and the NFL as we know it today was born for the 1970 season. So the Chiefs have not been back to the Super Bowl since then. This is their third appearance. They lost the first Super Bowl ever to the Packers back in 1966, or 1967 was the actual game. So those Chiefs teams were great. Uh, Buck Buchanan, all-time great at the end. Len Dawson, quarterback. Um, Willie Lanier was, was a great defensive player on those teams. So those Chiefs teams are really good in the late 60s. Uh, the 49ers, this is their first Super Bowl appearance since Super Bowl 47. That was the blackout game. They lost to the Ravens. That was the Harbaugh, John Harbaugh versus Jim Harbaugh. It was the year after the Giants beat the Pats the second time. So it was the 2012 season. So we're talking about seven years since the Niners have been in the Super Bowl. The Niners haven't won the Super Bowl since Super Bowl 29, which which was the completion of the 1994 season right. where they walloped the Chargers into the Super Bowl. Steve Young, Jerry Rice, just Steve Young, I think, had like five or six touchdowns that game. That's the San Fran team that I remember, Jerry Rice. Right. And then that's well, those are the teams we grew up with. I mean, right. when we were kids growing up, the 49ers were a juggernaut. Yeah. You know, first it was Montana and Rice and Roger Craig and um, and Dwight Clark and, and John Taylor and all those great players. And then Montana left at the end of the night. Montana's last season with the Niners was 1990. Mm-hmm. That was the NFC title game where Leonard Marshall almost – the Giants almost killed Joe Montana in a football game. The Giants went on to win the Super Bowl that year. And then Steve Young took over, who was Montana's understudy for years. He picked up right where Montana left off. And yep. 49ers were back. By the mid-90s, they were back. And they that was kind of like the cap of their dynasty. That was almost like the bonus Super Bowl win with Steve Young getting his ring. Um, that, I remember watching that game as a kid. Obviously, the, the Chiefs Super Bowl was long before I was born. But I remember watching the 49ers Chargers Super Bowl and just the 49ers – decimated the Chargers had no business being in that game the Niners were so good they were far and away the best team in the league that year there was it was just it was them winning that game was just kind of a coronation of something that was expected almost like when Daniel Bryan won like at Wrestlemania 30 Mm -hmm. where you just knew it was happening and this was just a coronation and everybody was just sitting on pins and needles waiting to cheer Mm -hmm. but the 49ers man they 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 ended that game I think they were up like 28-7 at the half and it was a Real beat. The final score was forty nine to twenty five or twenty eight or mm-hmm. some sort of beat down like that, you know. So both teams in a Super Bowl drought, especially the Chiefs, you're talking about fifty years. The Niners, we're talking about what was it, twenty nineteen? So it's about twenty five years about for the Niners. So So but the, the somebody's Chiefs are th- definitely the underdogs in this one. Well the Chiefs no the Chiefs the Chiefs not the money line. The Chiefs are a one point favorite, I believe. Right okay. now, but honestly, the, the game's a toss-up. The game's a toss-up. If you're mm-hmm. going to bet on the game, just bet just bet on the winner. Just take the spread out of it. Right. There's no point in even betting on the spread with the one-point spread. Um, I think the Niners win this game. Okay. Yeah, I think this is a situation where the Niners have to do two things really well to win this game, and I think they're going to do it. The first one is rush to Pasha. 
you get all right. You have to rush the passer and put pressure on Pat Mahomes to win this game. The Niners got Eric Armstead. They got Nick Bosa. They got the Forrest Buckner. They got D Ford. It's the best front four in football. They're all healthy. When all four of those guys have been healthy this year, the 49ers defense has been unstoppable. They might even be undefeated when all four of those guys are healthy. Don't hold me to that. I think they're going to, the four of them are going to get in the backfield. They're going to disrupt Mahomes. Mahomes can make throws on the run. He's proven that. But when you got seven guys in the secondary, I don't care how fast your team is. If there's no gaps to throw to football, there's no gaps to throw to football. I think that's a big difference today. And I think the 49ers, they have a, a three-headed monster at running back. And uh, Raheem Mostert, Tevin Coleman, Matt Breida. Those guys get the 30-plus car- carries, average three to five carries to carry. They're going to keep Mahomes off the field. And if Mahomes is off the field, it means he's not scoring points. Mm-hmm. And many a Super Bowl has been won. When you get like an elite defense like the Niners versus an elite offense like the Chiefs, you know the elite defense tends to win by doing that. It's how the Giants beat the Bills in Super Bowl 25. It's how the Giants beat Tom Brady in his Super Bowls. They rushed a passer. They ran the ball well. And then Jimmy Garoppolo just needs to not make mistakes, which he usually doesn't do. And when the dust is settled, I see a 24-20 49ers win. These 49ers teams are built a lot like the Patriots teams that won the Super Bowl. Um, Jimmy G is obviously no Tom Brady. No one's Tom Brady. But he doesn't make mistakes. And he learned how to play the game under Tom Brady. He was Tom Brady's understudy before getting shipped to the 49ers. Uh, They have the three-headed running back attack, which the Patriots have used for years. They have an elite defense, which obviously the Patriots have always have. Uh, the 49ers' weakness is their secondary, and the Chiefs do have speed, so that is a potential red flag for the Niners. But I think the front four negates that problem. When all four of those guys are healthy, Ford and, and Armstead and Bosa and Buckner, they're, it's just that they're unstoppable. Right. And I don't see the Chiefs' offensive line stopping them. And the Chiefs do not defend the run well. And the 49ers are going to win this game by running the ball down their throats. I just look at the matchup, and it just makes sense to me to look at the 49ers. And they get their sixth Super Bowl victory. And they'll tie themselves with the Pats and the Steelers for most Super Bowls all time. There you go. So you heard it here first, fam. The 49ers are going over tonight at the Super Bowl. <laughs> Super Bowl 54, you said, right? 54. 54. It's going to be a hell of a game. I'm going to be tuning in to uh, check out the new commercials and check out the, uh, the J-Lo halftime show. So there's never there's never a problem with checking out some J Lo bones. Never never a problem with that at all. Do we call you J Bo? J. I think I I think I I, I could be down with that J Bo and J Lo. <laughs> J Bo. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, fam. With that being said, Doc, that's all the time we have for today. So, fam, if this is your first time tuning in, thank you for listening to episode sixty of the fourth wall cast if you enjoyed the show want to show your support please follow us on all social media facebook instagram and twitter at fourth wall cast that's the number four t-h-w-a-l-l-c-a-s-t and as i mentioned earlier we are now exclusively on the new fourth wall pop network please follow us on twitter at fourth wall pop that's fourth spelt out f-o-u-r-t-h W-A-L-L-P-O-P Pop Uh, With that being said We will be back uh, to you guys Every single Sunday moving forward Exclusively on the network I am your host JC Bones Follow me on Twitter at JC Bones That's Bones with a Z That tall drink of water over there is Doc Haas Follow him on Twitter at Dr. Haas 4WC Doc any last words Any final words for the fam today Kobe
Obi. Kobe, thank you again, brother. Rest in peace to you and Gigi and the others that we lost in this tragic, tragic accident. Uh, keep Kobe's legacy alive. And with that being said, please be sure to tell all your friends to like, share, and subscribe and help this thing grow and grow and continue to be your biggest draw for the critics, the marks, the casual, and the hardcore. Once again, we are the Fourth Wall Cast, and we are here each and every week to make it pop. Goodbye, good night, and happy Super Bowl Sunday. Fourth Wall out. Mike Rock. Kobe. Later on.